Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. There's been a lot of talk, Mara, about the pink recession, recession, I think is what they're calling it, uh, where women dropped out of the workforce during the pandemic. Uh, now, there's not just concern about the great resignation. That's all these fun terms. Yeah, right? Econ- we've got to name it. It's because economics is so boring. You have to, <laughs> you have to do something fun to, to you know, make it interesting. Uh, anyway, the great resignation is about young men dropping out of the workforce altogether. Uh, could the answer to both of these issues and more be found in the gig economy? So I think this is an interesting topic because we have seen segments of our economy so disrupted by the pandemic. We're trying to figure out if it was just a vulnerability or if it's a permanent course correction. So I am super interested in this topic. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, we have an expert to talk us through this. Stephen Greenhut is a resident senior fellow and the Western Regional Director of State Affairs for the R Street Institute. Stephen, thanks for joining Taylor and I this afternoon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So this is an interesting discussion specifically about men and their willingness or access to the market. So let's start with the basics. For those of us who don't know, what is the gig economy? Well, the gig economy are uh, things such as uh, uh, Uber and uh, Lyft uh, provide uh, alternative uh, driving through app through app based um you know, through applications, uh, the tech, it's the tech economy, tech jobs, high, high tech jobs and, uh, all aspects of them. It's kind of a, dis- obviously a disruptive, uh, it's been disruptive on the, uh, you know, the traditional economy that people my age grew up around. It's That's a much different world now yeah. than it was. That's right. And some of the hallmarks are, I can, I'm my own boss a little bit. Mm-hmm. I can start, start and stop work when I feel yeah, like everyone it. can work for themselves. Right. Right. Well, yeah, the contracting, and that's a big part of it. So a lot of, uh, you know, a, a lot of these uh, uh, tech firms are built on more of a contractor-based model rather than hiring uh, droves of people full-time and uh, having a, a hard office somewhere downtown, and we all commute into the office and then leave at 8 to 5 or whatever. Uh, you know, we're having a, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're having more of a contractor based economy. And a, a lot of people, uh, you know, who are involved in that, they like that. They like to be able to pick and choose their hours, uh, don't want to be tied to one firm. Uh, but, you know, here, I know here in California, uh, you know, the unions and uh, the progressives have been uh, trying to essentially ban. Uh, well, they have been trying to ban contracting uh, in most in most instances. Uh, you know, it's a way to uh, force employers to hire people full time and provide them with, uh, you know, a suite of pay and bene- of benefits mm-hmm. in particular. So do you do you see people living uh, leaving traditional full time jobs to participate in the gig economy? Or is this more a supplemental uh, source of income and op- opportunity to people who may already have a full time job that provides benefits and, and other uh you know, incentives. 
Well, I think, you know, the point I was making is just based on, uh, you know, an, an article that I had written for uh, American Spectator um, is that, uh, you know, it, what, some of the statistics, and I'm not an expert of this, I've just been writing about it a bit. Uh, the statistics are surprising. I mean, uh, uh, we're, st- we're seeing people who, who've stayed in their jobs longer than ever before. Uh, and and, and we're, we're seeing more people have health care now than they, they've had uh, in a long time. So some of the trends uh, that are, that, you know, some of the statistics don't really back the narrative that everybody's leaving their traditional jobs and doing these gig jobs because they can't get any other work. In fact, pretty much anybody, at least I'm sure it's, it's the same in, in uh, Utah as it is out here, is pretty much anyone who wants a full-time job with benefits can get one right now. Right. And I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing, uh, you know, fast food restaurants offering, uh, you know, pretty high uh, uh, hourly salaries with benefits. We see the advertisements everywhere. So my point was that, uh, you know, trying to pass legislation and the California legislation is being emulated at the federal level and mm-hmm. at some other states, uh, trying to force companies to hire um hire people for full time and provide them with benefits at a time when anybody who wants that kind of job can get it. Uh, not only is it wrong, but it seems to be missing the point. And one of the, one of the points I, I brought up and is, is just the, the falling amount of workplace uh, participation from men, right? That they yeah. use, it was at what 87% and it's now at 70% and falling. So there are a lot of men who are, are, are basically checked out of the economy and the gig economy offers them opportunities maybe to get back in because in many cases they don't have the, they don't have the discipline and the work skills. I'm not trying to be critical, but a lot of folks, they, they're not going to go and work for 10 hours a day. Right. Uh, the gig economy gives them an opportunity to, to set their own hours and uh, live as they please and still make a little bit of money. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned uh, California and uh, the legislation in California that uh, attempted to curb uh, you know the the uh, gig economy and impose some uh, requirements and limitations there. Can you tell us uh, quickly some specifics about the California legislation uh, and how exactly that is trying to be emulated on the national level? Yeah, so it's Assembly Bill Five, uh, which what it did was it co- codified a, a state Supreme Court ruling that applied an ABC test to companies that hired contractors. So essentially. Uh, you, you know, you couldn't hire a contractor to do uh, what's a prime part of your job. So, so ride-sharing companies wouldn't be allowed to hire a contractor to to drive. They might be able to hire one to do some plum, plumbing work in their headquarters, uh, but not to drive. And they're just three different standards. But essentially, uh, it, it's it's banning the use of contracting work and freelancing work. I know a lot of freelance writers and photographers um, and all sorts of musicians who had to give up their work uh, because uh, there were limits on, on um, in the legislation on uh, how many articles a writer could, could uh, publish in the same uh, publication in the course of a year. And, um, you know, musicians and artists and speech language pathologists and all sorts of people were caught up in this. Now, the original bill exempted all the usual powerful constituencies like lawyers and realtors sure. <laughs> big surprise insurance agents those with lobbyists. By that. <laughs> yeah those with the best lobbyists <laughs> but but people you know the rabbis i believe are still uh, uh under the law i mean I, they apparently don't have a great lobby uh there are all sorts of 
uh, a sign language uh, person I know, they, they're, they're still uh, facing, you know, facing its restrictions. So it's just robbed a lot of people of their livelihoods in the midst of the um, pandemic. Now, there was so much blowback that even our, our very democratic legislature uh, went and did a follow-up bill that exempted 100 industries. Um, and then voters approved uh, Proposition 22, which exempted ride-sharing drivers, Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, those those kind of folks. But there's mm. still a few industries covered by it. I mean, it's isn't kind of the mark of a really bad bill that you have to exempt pretty much everybody <laughs> out of it after after it's yeah. passed. So, well, um, I'll, I'll tell you what, Stephen. Anything yeah, the yeah. Ca- if the California legislature's involved, I am against it. Okay. <laughs> Anything politicians well, in California are trying to do is probably a really bad idea. That's just my opinion. So, uh, well, that's one of the reasons uh, half our state lives in, in your state now. I think. Right. Yeah, stay <laughs> away. You don't want to come here. It's terrible. It's ugly. There's nothing to do. It's super weird. Do not move here. Okay. Well, thank you, Stephen Greenhut, resident senior fellow and the Western Region Director of State Affairs for the R Street Institute. We appreciate your insight on our show today. Okay, thanks for having me. Mara, have you seen the Utah Jazz's uniform rebrand? The New Jersey release happened Friday. <sighs> kind of looks like the California legislature might have been involved. Let's talk about it and let's bring in our audience at 801-575-TALK. Join us for the discussion of the new Jazz uniforms. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.